Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watts, I'm the founder of Stack and this week I'm speaking to Tom Armstrong, the founder of a new magazine called The Move. Um, this is a mag that I read over the Christmas holidays, so this is the first podcast that we're doing of 2017 and I was really excited to speak to him because this is a mag that was really not made for me. So it's a, a magazine of uh, contemporary club culture and you'll hear in our conversation we talk a little bit about how Tom actually spends quite a lot of energy in setting out his stall in the magazine, exactly who this is for. And over those first few pages I looked at it and thought, well, maybe not quite for me, but then I got to the longer features and it completely won me over with these amazing stories of of, for example, a British sound system that travelled to Bosnia in the war in the 90s and played dance music for these people who were literally in the middle of a war zone. Or there's the cover story is uh, an act called Yusuf Kamal, which I'd never heard of before, but now I was literally playing them this morning. So this is exactly the sort of thing that I love in terms of a magazine that opens me up to something that I just wasn't aware of before. Tom is also a real force of nature. He's full of energy and really driven, and he's clearly the heart and soul of the magazine, but also interestingly it's got James Brown behind it so Tom and James are friends and have worked together for a while James is the guy who launched Loaded way back in whenever that was and so he's there as an advisor and helping to show Tom the ropes on this first print magazine that he's making so it's a really really good magazine I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend going out and finding it. You will hear from this interview that I'm still not fully in 2017 yet. Uh, so I talk about Tom's editor's letter being the most confrontational one that I've read this year. That obviously wouldn't be saying much, but I, I meant the most confrontational one that I read all of last year. Um, I really loved speaking to Tom. I hope that you enjoy it too. Uh, this is me chatting with him in Somerset House last night. All right, so I'm here with Tom Armstrong from The Move. Welcome, Tom. Hello, mate. All right, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for going after hours to um, Somerset House in the nighttime. Mate, there's no such thing as after hours when you're doing your own thing. It's, it's your own thing. Love it. That's what I like to hear. Um, all right, so uh, Tom, you make a magazine called The Move, which is an underground music and club culture magazine. For anyone who's not seen it yet, I know you've had like good bits of press in yeah. various different places. Uh, what is the mag, and how did it come about? So the mag is a celebration of underground music and club culture, and everything that comes with that. So records, clothes, just the whole lifestyle of somebody who is obsessed with with music and clubbing and that sort of thing. And it came about just through I saw a bit of a gap when I was younger. I, I grew up. And there were magazines like Faith was a good one, Straight No Chaser was another one that would document what was going on in the underground and would be a, a, a representation in print of a lifestyle. And those sort of finished for whatever reason and I hadn't nothing had replaced it as far as I could see. Nothing was sort of reflecting the interests of me and my mates. And I think that every generation should have a good 
print representation of, of what is actually going on out there. So I was just like, well, I should just I, I should start one then. If I can't find one, I, I should do it. And that's what I did. And, and it, it, I sort of stewed on the idea for a little while, spoke to a few people about it, and there seemed to be a good response. People were sort of up for it. So yeah, and that was, that was last summer, and we printed the first one, and it was released start of December. So it took you about six months to get the thing say, together. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, from the from have first forming the idea and speaking to a few friends to actually going to print was probably about four to five months. And this is a magazine that is very definitely within a particular niche. Yeah. You you know who your readers are for this magazine. Yeah, that is a conscious thing. I think that um, all great magazines, to my knowledge have got an understanding of their audience and that comes through even if you're not into whatever it is they're writing about I think that it's somebody's passionate about it that passion will come through the pages and it, and it is infectious and that is something that I really wanted to show with this mag I wanted to speak directly to people that are my friends and it's my community um, and I'm glad that that comes across actually because that was a conscious decision I wanted it to be like that well I mean there's, there's absolutely no danger it's not going to come across I'm so, so I'm now in a slightly awkward way I'm going to read your editor's letter back to you <laughs> yeah. and I think uh, it should be said this probably works better in your accent than mine so, <laughs> the, so it, the, the editor's letter is what's happening people no seriously what the fuck is happening in a divided world we need club culture more than ever but it's under attack from sexless pencil pushers out for revenge on something they could never understand Stand. This is our way of saying bollocks, jokers. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that might be the most yeah. confrontational editor's letter that I've read this year. No, that's good. It's like a mission statement. I wanted the first page that people open. I wanted to very set out exactly what we we're about, um, and it sort of was a it was a reaction to what was happening within club culture at the time we went to print, which was fabric had recently closed. London over the last few years had lost a whole lot of its music and club venues. The UK, in fact, lost something like I've read 80% of clubs, the majority of which were in London. So with the magazine, what I really wanted to do was pull together the community because I know that there are so many people who really do love clubbing and love music and everything that goes with it. And when things are under attack, when, when the backs are against the wall, that's when you sort of need to pull together a little bit. And, that, and, uh, and this is sort of, I'd like to say, my contribution to that. Um, so that, it, yeah, that was an intentional thing to set our stall out from the start. And I guess, um, so one uh, consequence of that is that, so I, for example, read that and I'm not, I'm not in that world. Yeah. So I read that and I'm like, whoa, okay. The, this, the, this editor's letter has got in my face. Yeah. And then the... In the the first few pages, you've got like your sort of uh, your coming up uh, list, uh, dressing like a Chingford drug dealer, yeah. uh, Kenny jackets and Tylee blackets. I mean, I like I have to say, I don't know what yeah 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 that is yeah. So the so I guess one consequence of that is that it can mean that other readers don't get it straight away. Yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, and, and I'm completely aware of that. But the content that I, I wanted, um, I want the magazine to be accessible. That was one of the key words when we put it all together. I want it to be accessible. So although there are certain references that people might not get outside of the community, actually the articles, like pretty much all of the articles are about things that people will be interested in. So even if you're not, even if you don't know who the artist is that we're talking about, 
or I mean there's a really great article by a guy called Matthew Collin about uh, Collin about a sound system that went over to Bosnia during the 90s during the war to put on parties I mean even if you're not into clubbing that is something that's really interesting and I wanted that to come across I want even my mum to be able to pick it up and take something from it even if she doesn't get all the references so I mean this is exactly what happened to me so I've got like the the upfront bit with the stuff with the references that I don't yeah. necessarily quite get the first of your features is the um, the Grant Fleming piece yeah. on a dancehall party in Montego Bay in Jamaica which is just like brilliant. It's yeah. the like it, it's written in this uh, first person, yeah. very very uh, informal style with his photography from yeah. this like weird night that yeah, he went yeah, on. Yeah. Can, can you talk about that article a bit? Like, how do you come yeah. across it? And, like, what Grant is a, a brilliant photographer. He's been around for decades, um, and he's been photographing club culture, subculture, politics, current affairs all around the world. Um, and he's a friend of the guy that I did this with, James. So I've met Grant a few times. We worked on a project together earlier this year. Um, and the first time I met him, he mentioned that he'd just come back from Jamaica uh, <clears throat> and that he'd taken photos of dancehall parties and things like that. So as soon as I put them, was started to get content together, I emailed him and was just like, Grant, you still got those pictures? Um, and he's a brilliant raconteur. So that's why I wanted to do it in first person, in his voice, because he, I wanted his character to come across. Um, so that's why I chose to do it like that. And I mean, Grant's got stories for days. You could literally fill a book with your stories. And hopefully one day you will do. But the photos are just so in your face. And it just, and that is, again, the vibe of the mag that I wanted was in your face, vibrant. And those photos just seem to encapsulate that whole idea. So that's why I put them at the front. That's why they're at the first feature. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes all sorts of sense. But I mean, you, so you've already mentioned the Bosnian... Uh, Sorry, the sound system that went up yeah, to Bosnia in yeah, the war. Yeah. So again, how did that come to you? How do you find that one? Matthew is a really well-established writer. He's former editor of um, The Big Issue. Uh, he worked for ID. Um, and he has written a book about club culture, uh, sorry, about music and music's power in um, to, to be confrontational uh, and, and that sort of area. And it's an extract from the book. He, he sent over a list of the chapters and I was just like, this sounds amazing. I was like, can you sort of do me an edited, condensed version? Put me in touch with a photographer um, who luckily had loads of photos. He said, the photographer said, I, I had so many more photos, but someone's pushed me in the swimming pool with my camera <laughs> at the time. So I was like, oh no. But he had photos of the truck with the speaker stacks in it and it's just it's an amazing story so so interesting and so basically these guys um, the I think the story is that they're at a protest in London yeah someone comes up to them and they've got this sound system at a protest in London yeah. and say you've got to come out to Bosnia yeah and then they go and do it yeah yeah they take the truck with the sound system go out to Bosnia where there's a war going on and bring dance music to the local people and to the communities um, and yeah I mean I won't give away too much but it's just it's an excellent story and it, and it really does show which is important for the mag another reason that I liked it is it shows the power of music um, to bring people together so I mean I think that you've you, you've got some really excellent stories in this in terms of incredible stories the things that you read and you're like I can't believe that yeah, someone yeah, yeah. did that I can't believe that that's what that's like but then you also for the cover you've got uh, an act called Yusuf Kamal yeah so Again, I'd never heard of them, but I love the way that magazines can put you onto things. Yeah, so then yeah, I yeah. listened to the music while I was reading the interview, and 
they're totally brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they're excellent. They're from uh, South East London, and and it was, I mean, the mag started because I felt so strongly that the music coming out of London at the moment is is brilliant, and there's a great scene and a great community. And Yusuf Kamal really have been at the centre of that for for quite a while. Well, the, the two musicians, this guy called Henry Wu and the drummer Yusuf Days, and um, they've been in various bands and released music under various guises over the last few years and they've come together and formed this jazz duo called Yusef Kamal and there's just such a great buzz around them I mean it says in the article they've, they've sold out the jazz cafe they sold out the bussy building they did Ronnie Scott's and that was before they'd even released any music it was just the, the, the buzz and the energy of their live gig and it was all word of mouth and it was exactly what people tell me doesn't exist anymore I'd heard so many times people say oh the internet is done away with subculture it's done away with culture but there are these there are these things happening and I, I think actually what happens is people just stop looking for it and because it's not readily available in front of them they assume that it doesn't exist anymore but Yusuf Kamal proved that it does and the underground is still really strong so that's that's why they were on the cover that's exactly why I wanted to I wanted to show that yeah yeah you, you mentioned the internet making people a bit blind to this kind of stuff why was it important for you that this should be in print you said that you know every generation should have its print yeah. what, what's special about that for you um i think it's a sense of community i think it's when i was buying well when i was reading faith when i was younger for, as an example it wasn't just about the information that the magazine gave you but it was about your identity and it was about the feeling of being a part of something which i don't think you can get in with the internet these days and that is a big draw of print for me it's that your readers feel part of a community and every issue they're going to pick it up and there will be references in there that they will know um, and it's it has a personality I feel I find that it's, it's difficult to do that online that to me is what is what print's all about it's identity and is this the first print mag you've made yeah yeah I've written articles for print magazines but it's the first one that I've edited yeah yeah and, and so you get your your magazine back from the printer yeah you have that moment where yeah. you see it for the first time What's your like overriding memory of that moment? Um, my memory of that moment. Well, I'd seen it so many times. My first memory was where am I going to put all these boxes? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first. That was the first thought that came to my head as he lifted the pallet off the lorry. <laughs> I was like, oh, at man. your flat. Yeah, uh, this is Rand James's. Ah, right, okay. Um, I it. I, I, I can't describe it I don't know I, I, I don't there was no memory I think I was very nervous and that sort of I think my nerves were overriding any emotions at the time that's how I would describe it yeah it, it didn't actually sink in until a week after when my flat stunk of ink and and I had boxes stacked up and envelopes and that's sort of when it sunk in and in fact in fact you know what it was about two three days ago that I read it back and I was like yeah, this is all right. I really like this, and it, and it and it had taken like a month and a half to get to that stage. So you you're now you're now deep in the process of yeah. independent magazines because yeah, yeah. you've made the thing, but now you need to be mailing it out to people, yeah. trying to get it to distributors. Yeah, where are you at with the next issue coming up? Yeah, we're actually we're we're pretty much there. We, uh, my laptop crashed this morning, so, so so let's see. I don't want to speak too soon. But <laughs> just got to rewrite the magazine. Yeah. That's fine. 
But we are, yeah, we're nearly there. We've got a good idea of uh, what's going in it and who's going to be on the cover and what, where we're going to go with it. And even issue three now, we've had a lot of people approaching us, which is really good. Um, we've had a lot of people saying, I've been waiting for something like this to come along. I've got so many ideas, let's do something. And photographers, writers, stylists, everybody. So already there is a little community building around it, which is exactly what I wanted. So I was ple- I'm pleased with that. That's fantastic news. Yeah. And there, we, you've mentioned your friend James a couple of times. Yes. Now we should say you've had a bit of an unfair advantage with all this because <laughs> your friend James is yeah. James Brown, the guy who started Loaded magazine. Correct, yeah. So how, how did you two get involved with each other? Me and James have worked together for about three and a half years. Uh, I started to work on Sabotage Times, which was his first online venture after doing various print mags. Um, and we ran Sabotage Times online, got to a point where... I just wanted to. I wanted something new and and fresh, and so I went to him with this idea of a print mag, and luckily he, he liked it, and he's been a great help because, as I say, never having edited a print magazine, it was completely, it was completely unfamiliar terrain, and to him, it's his bread and butter. It's what he knows. It's what he's great at. So it it, it worked well. It really worked well working together because he had that all that expertise and knowledge, and I sort of had the enthusiasm and the content. So. Yeah, it worked well. So he's been like the advisory figure, kind yeah. of saying, maybe you should think about this. Exactly maybe that. Maybe you should go and try that. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And presumably he has a fantastic contacts book as well. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Grant is the guy we were talking about, did the, the, the dance hall photos. He's a friend of James. So that, yeah, that that's great. And so now you're, you say you've got issue three well on the way as well. What are you wanting to do differently with this? Because any experience I've ever had of making magazines is, so you know, I said about that experience of opening the box and seeing yeah. it for the first time. Every time I just get obsessed with the mistakes. Yeah. Or the things that I wish I might have done a bit differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, where are you thinking this is going to go? So the first thing that I'm going to do is uh, we're going to change the paper. Um, there's nothing wrong with the paper on the first one but it seems like it absorbs the ink too much and I want and I want it to be lighter and brighter and more vibrant. So it's, it's an uncoated uh, stock, which is yeah. you often find with like the, when you don't have that sort of like uh, surface yeah. on the, the front of the, the paper, yeah. you do get it really seeping deep yeah. and deep. Yeah, and I want, I want it to look as vibrant as possible. Um, so that is the first thing that I'm going to change. So, so but the, in terms of the content, I was really happy with it, and everybody seems to be happy. So I'd like to go in along a similar sort of route. I don't want to change it too much. Um, we're going to introduce a lot more style into the second issue, a lot more clothing and style, because people really reacted well to certain things in the first issue. There's an there's an article about um, football casual culture. There's a fashion shoot. People really seem to like that. Um, it did really well on social media. We sold loads of mags off the back of putting it on social. So that sort of clicked, that because that's a whole new audience then. Um, and there is so much crossover. I think that often people think of, in terms of publishing anyway, often music and fashion are two sort of isolated communities. When in reality, every, like I, I know as well as everybody, they're all it's all mixed. People who are into records are often into clothes and vice versa. So bringing those things closer together, that's what we're going to do for the second one. And that sounds like it opens you up to more advertising opportunities as well, because if you've got the products going in there yeah. in fashion. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fashion shoots and, and menswear is interests me as much as music does. Um, and I've, I've always worked in those sort of areas as well as doing alongside music. So it makes sense for me to do that. I've got a lot of contacts in that sort of industry as well through, through doing various projects. So, yeah, I mean... It, it, 
I think it would be a good positive change. It's obvious. Your enthusiasm for this is obvious. Yeah. You've clearly made this magazine for you mm. and for like the people like you because you saw an opportunity for it. Mm. But you've ended up also bringing in people like me, who like you know they, this was not my thing. That how much do you want to keep that going? How much do you want to bring a new audience to this? Are, are you an evangelist that's like kind of banging the drum and bringing more people to it or are you happy with speaking to your set of people absolutely I'm an evangelist absolutely I think it's all about sharing I mean I think for me the buzz I mean I DJ as well and the buzz for me for DJing is when you find a new tune or a new record it's been able to share it with everybody it's not just keeping it to yourself and your community it's being able to get it out there and say look I found this thing look how great it is and that and it's exactly the same part of my brain triggers doing a magazine it's like I see something cool it's like I can't wait for everyone to see this <laughs> so the more people that see it the better absolutely I've, and, and I wanted it to be accessible because I think there's already a lot of in media there's already a lot of quite insular sort of inward looking mags that's, that service a very small community of people it's great if it works for them but it's not really for me I'm always I'm, I'm very much about introducing new things to new people reaching a wider audience I mean for example Yusuf Kamal on the cover I love them boys I love their music why would I not want everybody to hear about it do you know what I mean and, and, and like hearing you say now you've you've listened to them off the back of that that's brilliant that's exactly what I wanted the, so I wonder so one of the things that I think one of the ways that music print magazines suffer is that with the internet you can have that article and then you can have their music literally yeah. there in the same place yeah, yeah, yeah. now obviously it's not a it wasn't difficult for me to go on Spotify and just find them and play yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Do you see, as much as you love print, do you see a future in which you'd also want to be online because you can do that stuff, because you can actually like play the music as well? Um, it is something I thought about, and it's it, it affects the type of content that we do. Um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff in that one and in the next few issues it's about music culture as much as the music and that's that, that's important it's not all because again if it was just a magazine full of interviews you could go online and you could listen to their music and read plenty of online interviews and things like that so it, it affects the sort of uh, content we do but it doesn't really bother me to be honest as you say it's like everybody's got a Spotify everybody's on YouTube it's, so what it doesn't mean you can't have a magazine as well do you know what I mean yeah, no of course of course well look I'm super excited the, to, to have found this magazine that um, I do think that it was probably the most confrontational editor's letter I read <laughs> last year that's, that's saying something but, um, but I love it and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where you go next wicked wicked cheers nice one Alright, that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tom. I should say that for the bit at the end there where he was talking about sharing and the pleasure he gets from that, I was like nodding away furiously behind the microphone because that I, I know exactly that enjoyment, that feeling of putting stuff in front of people that they might not otherwise have seen. And I hope that this podcast has helped you to discover something that you'll like too. Um, if you have enjoyed it, please go back, uh, search for us on iTunes or SoundCloud, just search for Stack Magazines, and you'll find all of our previous episodes and there's tons of good stuff in there. And while you're there, give us a follow. And that means that next week when we release our 
next episode, it will go straight to your phone or iPad or whatever you listen on. Um, okay, thanks very much for listening to this first one of 2017, and we'll be back next week with more.